Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. everyone, welcome to an episode of the Tennis.com podcast with special guest Vashik Pospisil. I'm Nina Pantic, your host, and I'll be joined by Irina Falcone. Vashik is fresh from a final run in Sofia to wrap up his 2020 season, which saw him get up to number 61 in the rankings. The 30-year-old Canadian has been ranked as high as number 24 back in 2014, which happens to be the year he won the Wimbledon doubles title with Jack Sock. We talk about how his back surgery and time off actually changed his career for the better and how he got involved in the mushroom supplement called Hikare. And most of all, we talk about the PTPA, the Professional Tennis Players Association. It's something that he has founded with Novak Djokovic and it has been in the headlines a lot. So we get to hear Vashik's perspective, how it started, why it started, why it's important, how it interacts with the ATP player cancel and what the future is for the PTPA. All right, let's hear from Vashik. Vashik, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to be on. So where are you right now? I see you're in a hotel room. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm actually in Belgrade right now waiting for my two-week. Um, there's like this two-week window where you can't be in a, in a red zone country before you can go back into the States. So um, I have like one day left and then I'm heading uh, back to Florida to on tomorrow actually so is it technically quarantine it's not quarantine but it's it's just uh one of the you know uh the new rules that that the u.s customs has where you can't be in a in a red zone country for two weeks um before you can enter unless you have like a special waiver exemption which i don't have so i'm waiting for that two week uh period to to kind of run out and then i'll be able to go back that's nuts. I mean, I knew that non-citizens and non-green card holders couldn't just come back and forth to the U.S., but I didn't know about the non-red zone option. So Belgrade, Serbia was chosen because? Uh, because it was a short drive from Sofia, and it was an easy drive. You didn't need any anything to cross uh, into Serbia. And then it was it's one of the few one of the few places that's not a red zone uh, on the you know in Europe. So um yeah just came here one of my one of my friends is here and um just uh hanging out and, <laughs> and heading back soon so are you so. officially done with the season we can assume that Sophia was the last one and you did phenomenal congratulations by the way making finals unbelievable performance how'd you feel out there thanks yeah yeah uh, season's done so uh it was uh, yeah a great week great way to end it uh and Sophia played really well and I had a good feeling about the tournament right from my first hit on the center court uh which is which is funny I told my coach I was like oh like I gotta make sure this is on my schedule every year I love love the conditions here and then and then I almost lost in the first round I was just a couple points away my opponent served for the match and uh and I was down four love in the third set breaker and then I just uh yeah I came back and then had a had a good run and and was close to, to taking it, but um, obviously Yannick a, a huge talent, and it was a it was a tough match. But just you know, thrilled to to have made the final. It was, it was a good week. So obviously you're shutting it down, and 2020, as we know, has been very strange, and you probably haven't played a 
whole lot of tennis. What does the end of 2020 look like for you? I know that Australia is kind of up in the air at the moment, but um, are you going back to the U.S.? Are you going to Canada, Bahamas? I mean, you have options. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm actually um, going uh, back to. I'm going to the to the U.S. to the to Bradenton, the ING Academy, and and I'll be there. I'll do a bit of training there, and then I'll probably head back to Europe to do some training, and then. Um, and then I'll see. I mean, I have no idea what the schedule is going to look like, but it looks like I'll, I'll be flying to Australia. Yeah, I mean, on the first, we 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 heard that there's no flying in uh, during the month of December. So, uh, yeah, I to be honest, I don't even know what I'm going to do yet. So, <laughs> it's a tough situation. It's been a really weird year, but you're ranked number 61 right now. You've got to feel good given how short the season was that you've managed to do so much two finals this year and then that fourth round at the u.s open was huge right yeah it was a great year for me i mean a great i mean great year on court and great season uh considering there were you know a few quite few uh, i mean we didn't really play that much tennis uh so yeah but two finals uh and a fourth round u.s open and yeah it was it was it was great i mean i'm, I'm playing well i'm feeling good uh you know mentally i'm in a good good spot and physically i'm i'm just, feeling great. I mean, I haven't had any back issues since, since the surgery, which, which has been amazing and uh, kind of didn't even realize how, how, um, you know, how, how it felt to be, uh, you know, feeling this good on the court uh, physically for, you know, weeks on end. I, I remember I think last like five, six years, I'd always be able to go for like three, four weeks without some kind of issue. And then my back would blow out or something, you know, and I, and I just took that as like normal part of the sport. And I was like, okay, well, you know, everyone's dealing with this kind of stuff. And then, yeah, it wasn't until I had my surgery in 2019 and I recovered and I've, I've you know, my knock on wood every time I say it, but, but uh, I've, my body's been really holding up well. I've had a few niggles, uh, you know, along the way, but, but uh, feeling great physically and mentally and playing well. Okay. But back surgery, that must've been absolutely terrifying. Cause I saw you just a few months after, I think I saw you Indian Wells, that would have been March, 2019. And you were like functioning like a human, but I, I would have sounds- been 25 pounds overweight <laughs> then when you saw me. <laughs> I, I gained 24 pounds. I remember 24 pounds. Exactly. That's very specific. That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Okay. But, but you still had back surgery. So it's a good excuse. Yeah. And I also made, I actually made a conscious decision I was like, you know what, like I've been so strict with myself and diet and training and tennis and just everything my whole career. And and I, you know, was obviously out indefinitely. It was going to be, you know, I was, I didn't hold the racket for five months. I was like, you know what, I'm going to eat whatever I want. You know, I'm going to do a whole training period after this when I recover. And so I'm just going to enjoy my life. And then, uh, and I knew I was going, I knew I was going to gain weight and I, I didn't, I didn't care. I just like decided I would and just enjoy myself. And then uh, yeah, it was, it was a nice, it was actually a really nice reset, a little bit of a, a mental break. And, and then I just came back fresh. You know, that's so nice to hear just like gain 25 pounds. Yeah. That's no big deal. So <laughs> in, in the, in the, I'm going to eat whatever I want was uh maple syrup part of your diet as well. Or yeah. <laughs> yeah. With my pancakes for sure. In the morning, I had pancakes every day, but, uh, yeah, I wasn't eating healthy. Let's put it that way. I was, uh, I let loose big time. <laughs> but you didn't let loose this time when the shutdown happened because you came out so strong. I mean, you still came out strong at the U.S. Open last year. I remember you got a really big win over Karen Koshinov, so it was still good. But this year yeah. <laughs> you had this six-month period. What did you do because you 
crushed it coming right out of the gates. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I still kind of relaxed a bit. I didn't, I wasn't, <laughs> believe it or not, I was, I was like, you know what, like, I'm just gonna, I don't, who knows how long this is going to be. I, I just took some time off, but while well, I was, I was, I was, you know, working on, um, a company that I, that I co-founded and I was obviously busy, busy with Tennis United and, and I was staying in shape. I mean, I was, I was trying to, I mean, I took a decent break from, from tennis. I wasn't really uh, playing too much. I hit like once or twice a week uh, and just, but I was running and I was trying to stay like strong and ready for, for uh, a kind of like a preseason type training block whenever we heard, whenever we had news that the tour would start up. So yeah. So again, I just had, you know, I, I kind of shut things down a little bit uh, until, you know, we heard that tennis was starting up. Then I, you know, brought my, flew my coach in and I started training a lot and, and just did a whole, you know, training block as you normally would before the season would start up. And, and uh, so of course going into the U S open, I wasn't sure I was kind of like, Oh, you know, I was proud to go and had no, no, no matches in preparation. And, and uh, yeah, first round was a little bit, you know, just kind of feeling, feeling my way around there. And then it was still, you know, just a great, great week. And it was nice to kind of uh, pick up confidence right from the first event back. One of the uh, things that I constantly hear is just how tennis players don't really have an off season per se. They don't really have a break. It's an ongoing thing. During this COVID time, you kind of had a break, your body rested. Do you feel like you're going to use the kind of things that you learned this year for the rest of your career? Yeah, for sure. I, I think, I think the my biggest, um, you know, I, I guess what for me was having surgery and that break was the most like transformational, you know, kind of period of my career, if I can call it that. I don't know. I think that's where I really had the biggest paradigm shift and I just completely changed. I don't know. I, I, I matured a lot. I came back. I, I got really busy with, with off court, you know, ventures and, uh, I came back as a much more confident person and player and and put a little bit less stress on myself on on court because I had all these great things happening off court and and so you know that along with just being uh, also thrilled that I was even able to compete at the high level because that was my first surgery and I didn't know how I would recover so uh, I was just you know grateful that I was feeling so um, good physically and so I think that that was a real learning uh, period there where I just had a whole new approach and um, kind of the way I, I, you know, perceived tennis in my career and my life just completely changed. And then so that is something that obviously now is is, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be looking at life a little bit differently for the rest of my career. So definitely learned a lot during that period there when I had my, my surgery and my break from tennis. Kind of like when Federer had that knee surgery and came back and won the Australian Open, right? The same. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> exactly the same. <sighs> okay, so off-court ventures, one of them is you co-founded a company that is a mushroom supplement called Hecate. So tell us about that because we're intrigued and unfamiliar with mushrooms. Yeah, so it's uh, it's not the magic mushroom uh, that uh, you know a lot of people have asked me asked me that question. Oh, like we you know what is it the magic? Well, no, it's 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 basically uh, so functional mushrooms are a superfood. So eleven of the top fifty superfoods in the world are actually functional mushrooms. Um, so you know, reishi, cordyceps, chaga, and lion's mane are four uh, of those eleven, which we put into our first product that we launched, which is a cocoa powder. 
And they have some super impressive um, be- benefits, uh, both mental and physical. And, and actually, my, my, my nutritionist had recommended that I start taking mushroom supplements um, to help with my recovery process, just in anti-inflammatory, there's, uh, you know, anti-stress. I have so many, and this uh, chaga is one of the most powerful antioxidants in the world. So it had all these amazing benefits and I started taking them and around the same time, one of my really close friends, you know, brought this idea forward to me and it was just kind of, you know, it was a little bit ironic that I was started taking, you know, mushroom supplements and I was really, really passionate about it and into it and really believed in it. And it's been a part of my morning routine ever since I was, you know, recovering from, from surgery. And, and I said, well, why not start uh, our own, uh, our own brand and our own, our own product. So, so yeah, it's super exciting. We've, we've had our, our soft launch, which, you know, you, you've seen through my page and, and us open and, uh, and we're doing a, a real big uh, launch uh, early next year. Um, so that'll be super exciting, but obviously you can still get the product now on the website, uh, Hikati dot com and um and uh yeah the re- the reviews are great and the people that have been trying it uh love it and and uh yeah and i and i obviously swear by it and i think it's been a huge part of my um my uh return i mean to be completely honest like i i i um sorry i'm rambling but i uh, i've just felt like it's really helped my recovery more than anything I've, i'm less sore after my matches and and uh so it's super cool to actually feel the benefits uh, of, of, a, of a supplement. So I'm, I'm stoked. <laughs> Recovery is like the most important thing in athletes that play all year long. So where did the, the name come from? Well, it was actually my, my uh, business partner that came up the, with the name. So Hikari is actually the, the Greek goddess of magic. So, you know, it's not magic mushroom, but it's, <laughs> <laughs> but they're magical. Right. So, uh, so it was super, super cool, super cool name. And, um, and yeah, people like it. And I, I think it's, uh, yeah, it's cool. We're going to have, you know, we have more products in the pipeline and we have some really cool partners that, that we're working with currently and that we have uh, kind of uh, on the horizon. So I think it'll be, it'll be re- really cool early, early stages right now, but, but I think, uh, you know, it'll be something that, that, that we can really grow into something great that can help a lot of people. What does it taste like? I have to know. Well, it's, it's, uh, well, actually the mushrooms themselves are, are quite bitter. So if you took like anything, if lion's mane or chagar on, on, on its own, it would be quite bitter to the taste. You know, it doesn't taste great. It's like anything that's healthy, you know, usually it doesn't taste that great, but, uh, but we have it mixed with cocoa powder and monk fruit and we have, it's a all natural organic, um, you know, obviously ingredients and mushrooms. And so, Ours is a, it's a cocoa powder that you mix either in your coffee or I put it in my oatmeal and, and it's, so it's like, it has a really nice chocolatey flavor uh, to it. That's our first product. We're coming out with a matcha blend soon. And um, so I'll have to send you some. I'm so <laughs> exciting. Yeah. 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 Chocolate always makes things better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How, how involved are you though? Like how involved are you in like the day-to-day of like a business? Cause that sounds like it's a lot of work and you still have this whole tennis career thing. going. Yeah. On. Yeah. I was, I, I was very, uh, I'm, I'm very involved in obviously in all the, all the major, all the important calls. And, um, you know, early on during COVID, um, before the tennis was started up, I was day-to-day, um, you know, doing everything with, with the guys with two co-founders and, and uh, now that we've kind of established ourselves a little bit, I'm, I'm not, obviously not on the off side. I'm more of, 
you know, uh, I take care of more, you know, raising money and, and the, the vision. Like we are, we're all kind of, we're all kind of wearing a lot of hats right now as, as it's, as it's early, but we've, uh, we've made some, some great hires and, and we're really going to build a management team. And, and um, that's, that's just all like really right, right around the corner. So I'm not too luckily right now. I'm, I'm, um, you know, not, not, you know, spending too much time on it because as I said, it's, it's quite well established. And, um, but, uh, but of course I'm as one of the, the directors of the company and, and co-founders, I'm, I'm involved in all the, the, the important calls. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Hi, everyone. You're listening to an episode of the Tennis.com podcast with special guest Vashik Pospisil. He's giving us all the intel on his secret mushroom supplement, Hikari. Keep listening. My mom's been forcing vitamins down my throat since I was four, and I've only just realized there's actually a benefit to it. I think last year I was like, oh, yeah. this is actually doing something for me. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad we're all maturing yeah. and growing. So in other off-court news you've been working on, um, tell us about the player, professional Wow, I've messed it up really Tennis badly. Players yes. Association. Yeah. Tennis Players Association. PTPA. PTPA. Yeah. That's way smoother. That launched in August. You are a huge part of this. It's been in the news recently because of different moving parts. We don't really understand everything. Can you give us your take on what it is and what the goal is and what's happening now? Yeah. So so basically, the PTPA is something that Novak, uh, Djokovic, and I have started. Um, it's It's... I mean, the whole, there's so much information out there that's like, and like wrong, wrongly, it's just, there's a lot of politics and, and it's, you know, it is what it is, but the whole purpose of the PTPA is, is strictly to uh, I, like organize and unite the players and, and, and have representation and be represented in, in a, in a proper way where we actually have uh, the ability to impact major decisions that are made. Uh, that affect our livelihoods and and our lives, right? So um, most other major sports have an association that 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 represents solely the the player's best interests, and then they're able to you know go with this association towards you know to the let's say an NHL and negotiate with with the league and and uh, and be business partners. You know, you come to the table, you have one side, you have another. You come to compromise, you make a good you know and uh, business uh, agreement and and you move forward and and in tennis we really don't have that like we 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 really don't for for those that don't know is is uh, you know the ATP is uh, the way the bylaws are written like uh, it is basically we have you know the the tournaments and we have the player side and it's fifty fifty except uh, the players actually have no way of of um, affecting any any decisions uh, that are made. So it's, it's quite complicated without getting into all the, all the, the details of the bylaws of the ATP, but basically the whole point of the PTPA is we unite to unite the players and be able to actually have a say in, in, the, in the tour and, and our livelihoods and have transparency with, with uh, you know, the tournaments, how they're running, you know, the, the financials, uh, data, ticket sales, everything. We, we basically don't, don't have any information and the tournaments 
don't need to provide anything and don't need to have, you know, there's the, don't need to be transparent at all. And that's not a business partnership. And especially when we're the, you know, what the product where people come and, and pay, pay money to watch, watch the players play. And uh, so it's nothing um, confrontational. We're not here to be confrontational at all. It's strictly just, you know, almost like a democratic principle like well okay well we want to have a say and input and be able to actually affect uh you know these decisions so yeah so <laughs> in a nutshell be, it wouldn't be considered a union then no okay. no it's not a union i mean it, well it, in many ways it would act it could act as a union but it's not a union it's not it's, it's an association legally it's not actually uh, um, deemed a union so it's an association so uh, I'm just curious, you explained it to us beautifully, might I add, but I'm just curious from now, like, what does that mean? Really? Like, are you going yeah. to integrate? Like, go ahead. So, so right now we're, we're uh, obviously, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day as, as, as the expression goes, but right now is we, we are uh, in the middle of, of, um, drafting the bylaws which is basically the, the 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 structure and everything written on a contract of how it would actually operate and so the idea is that we're we'll get the bylaws drafted and we'll gather you know the support from the players and also make key key hires where we actually have uh real professionals and and that are representing just the players best interests so that you know and where be it lawyers, be it, uh, you know, whoever we need to actually help run this organization to give it, you know, also credibility. And, and um, so we, we're really just at the, um, I would say, uh, how would I put it? We're just really building it right now and, and getting everybody that we need. Uh, that, and also the, 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 one of the most important things that we're trying to obviously avoid is, is conflict of interest because the ATP, the tennis tour has tremendous conflict of interest right now. Um, with everybody from who's on the board uh it's just it's so intertwined it's like no other sport out there and it's it's unfortunate that it's gotten to this point and it needs to be a little bit cleaned up and and unfortunately the reality is and uh, that it's that it's hurting the players you know i think um so it's just something something needed to be done and and i just kind of had enough of it I, i'm a man of principle and when i could see that that things were being run the way they were and, and um, a lot of times dirty politics and, and just the players are being lied to and brainwashed and, and it's just, it's really not, not good. So um, I'd have to say that that's the whole purpose of this. But how did you and Novak begin working together? Was it something that he approached you? Did you approach him? It's, it just seems like a really unexpected duo, no offense, but you know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, none taken, none taken. Um, So what happened was I, it was actually, so when I joined the, just a little bit of backstory, you know, um, I, when I had surgery, I actually, I'll go even before that. I joined the council because I wanted to, you know, originally wanted to see, well, what is happening? Why are we having all these player issues? So many, I mean, players are constantly, you know, complaining about how things are run and, and uh, everything from the revenue share to representation to uh, just, you name it. Right. So I was like, well, what is going on? So I joined the council and I realized that it was very, it was a very, very broken system. And um, so at that point when I had surgery, I was like, well, you know, this is never going to change unless I try to actually do something about this and, and someone's got to do it. So I had, I had all this time on my hands and that's when I approached the the global chair at Norton Rose, which 
Norton Rose is one of the largest law firms in the world. They're in uh, you know, 51 different cities across major cities across the globe. And so I, I approached the global chair to see if you'd be to you know able to to work with with the players if I got um, a significant number to sign on uh, an engagement letter with him. And so he, yeah, he, we agreed to, to the terms and, and then I started recruiting players, um, and got to 80 signatures of the top hundred, uh, on the men's side. And, and then the, I think Sloan, uh, Stevens and, um, was, and Madison Keys, they, they, they worked together and they got close to 80, the top hundred women. So, and at that point, I mean, I, I, during that whole period, I approached Novak as well to see if he would support, support it and, and which he did. And, and we just kind of were very aligned with, with, um, as our, you know, 80 of the top hundred guys <laughs> with, with some of the, the, the issues that, that were, that were going on. And, and, uh, and obviously we were on the council as well. So, um, and then he just fully supported it. And then we just started, uh, doing it together and, and it's been, it's been, yeah, it's been it's been a good journey. It's been, you know, a lot of learning lessons, very challenging. Uh, you're really going up against kind of the, the Goliath of, of tennis. Uh, and uh, it's not easy. They have a lot of resources. They have, you know, everything from media to you name it. Right. So it hasn't been, it hasn't been an easy, easy battle, but, but you got to keep fighting for, for the right cause and things, you know, and what you believe in. So um, quite the, the learning experience. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hi, everyone. You're listening to an episode of the Tennis.com podcast with special guest Vashik Pospisil. We find out how he became the co-founder of the PTPA. Keep listening. Is there any awkwardness then when you go to ATP tournaments? Anyone like upset with you? or Because it sounds like you guys are trying no. to not conflict with them at all, but it does sound like you're not in agreement completely. So is there any weirdness? No, no. I mean, you know what? The super majority, I, I would say that I would say well, that, you know, time will tell, but I think most players get it. You know, most players are, are, there are a few that are kind of against it, but I would say the majority is, you know, I, I, are not against it. And for, for the right reason, because it's, there's nothing, there's nothing malicious here <laughs> whatsoever. It's just like, Hey, like we're here, we're players, like, you know, respect us. Let's have, we're, 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 you know, let's be partners in this business is that is tennis, unfortunately. Well, I mean, it's a business, right? So, um, but, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm still super optimistic because, because at the end of the day, all the players are in the same boat. And, and, and for those that maybe some, some don't quite understand because they don't have a full, you know, picture of, of what the, of what the situation is and, and soon enough that they will. And for those that, you know, maybe they, they don't understand the real dynamics of the tour and what really goes on. Um, and I think once they do, then, then there's, you know, I think, I think uh, there's no reason they wouldn't, they wouldn't support um, something like the PTPA because again, it's not like we're coming in with a, you know, uh, 
to just destroy something like that's not it at all right you're seeking transparency which i don't i mean that's that's and totally then, yeah. yeah and then the yeah exactly the, the atp council lately has been a topic so when you guys first resigned in august i think it was you novak sam it, query and john isner was that because you wanted to leave or because you were told to leave and then now are you trying to get back in? Like what's, what's the council situation? Cause I don't get it at all either. Yeah. So, so when we, yeah, originally we, when we started the PTPA, it was, we were, we were forced out pretty much. I mean, we, they, because, you know, uh, for, for whatever reason, I mean, for, you know, that we, we were, we were forced out at the time and, and, uh, you know, stating conflict of interest, which really, when you looked at it, it was like, well, PTPA is supposed to represent the, the players, you know, the interests of the players. And so is the council. So, you know, obviously PTPA hasn't even been fully established yet. So it's not like, right. But um, so, so yeah, that was a situation then. And then actually now, re now during these elections, um, you know, Novak and myself had been nominated by other players. So we didn't even, we didn't seek nomination. We just, there clearly there are players that wanted us there and they put us on, on the, the list. And, and so now this whole, this whole thing, you know, has come out and, um, and, and I just need to, yeah, I just need to speak with Novak. I mean, when he finishes his, to just to see you know, what, what it is that, that, that we're, we're going to do with the situation. But, uh, but obviously this was something that, that was kind of thrown on us right now because players obviously want us there to, just to, uh, to, to represent them and, and it's still currently until the PTPA is fully, you know, established, it still is the currently the only platform where you can can represent players at, at some capacity, you know, quite ineffectively, but it is, you know, however minor of an impact you can have, that is the only area that you can do that currently, right? So um so but yeah, this is to I mean to be determined how we're going to handle this right now. We we have to have that that call and and go from there but uh so i'm not gonna make any any statements on that further <laughs> yeah yeah because what, what i'd heard was well from novak and at the hp finals was that they were told or he was told you can't run actually because it's a conflict of interest and i was like well we didn't know that that was an issue that that wasn't clear so it sounds well, like things are in the works well exactly so that was the other thing is is when when the hp had found out that we were on the list they created overnight they created a new law a new bylaw and it's be to prevent us from actually being able to go there and represent the players saying you know but it's okay that that you have you know uh img representative that the own you know on the board and, and it, there's such or or are like it, it's i mean it blows my mind it blows my mind that it's okay that all these other insane conflicts of interest like in no other sport in the world like they give a pass to that. That's no problem. That's no problem. But, but these two tennis players, you know, shouldn't be able to represent the players because they're trying to do something else. So we're going to create a law right now overnight that the board board is going to pass and we're going to stop them from, from going and, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's crazy. It just shows you how desperate they are to, to maintain you know, yeah, it's, it's upsetting, but, but it's reality. You know? In a sense though, you have to kind of feel that you're going in the right direction because they're clearly threatened. Like there's a reason why this is all happening and you're obviously ruffling some feathers and you know, it's, it's, it's clear that there is a problem if they are that threatened by you guys. Well, absolutely. I mean, why, like, t like, you, you nailed it right it's like what is so wrong about having like a player group being represented by by professionals that like 
if, if everything is run so smoothly and everything, I mean, if everything is so fair to the players and to everybody, why are they fighting this so like so hard? Right. It's so of course there's, of course there's, there's uh, issues there. Right. I mean, everyone wants their business to be as profitable as possible or, you know, that's just the essence of it. Right. In general. I mean, so I get it that they're trying to protect their, their business and their income. I mean, or their, you know, profitability, let's say the grand slams. I mean, I'm not even going to get into the grand slams, but uh, that's, that's the biggest, you know, issue, issue of all probably the amount of, the amount of, uh, you know, money that they earn and, and, and tennis only has a hundred players that are making like, you know, top hundred that are making a living and then everybody else is suffering and, and all these other, you know, so it's, there's, yeah, I think it should be very easy for at least 300 players from the men's and 300 from the women's side, at least to have, to be able to have a nice, you know, living and be able to, um, you know, be profitable with their, with their tennis careers. But, but uh, that's currently not the case. Gosh, it takes, it, I think and it the money's there. And it's there. It's there. Like, so yeah, it's, you know, but it takes such a, I think it takes a lot of balls to do all this. So it's, it's, it's noble, but also needed, as you've said. And it sounds like 2021 is going to be a big year for seeing what happens with all of that as well. I've also have a, a similar question in a way. Is this tennis United going to come back in 2021? Oh, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, it took up quite a bit of time originally and I, which time that I had, you know, during the, during the, the pandemic and, and, um, so I'm not sure. I don't know if, if I'll be invited back, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, to be honest. Like I, I, I would love to, I had a great time. Honestly, I think Bethany uh, was pretty much doing 90% of, of it was responsible for 90% of the success of that show. And I was just kind of tagging along and uh, she was unbelievable. So I don't know if, if tennis United really needs me at the end of the day, but, uh, but it was fun. I really enjoyed it. I mean, I was, staying busy during during the the pandemic and and it was so fun to interview these legends of the game and and um you know just Gretzky and Nash for example which which obviously as a Canadian they're they're two legends that I was looked up to and so it was a lot of fun I mean I, I would I would um I would definitely you know maybe do a couple episodes again at some point if, if they'll take me take me uh take me back <laughs> You seem like a natural, you know, it sounds like at least it's good for you in terms of like building your skills and, and networking and like being a face. I think that in a way maybe has helped you because you're, you became more popular with your colleagues, but also with fans, like everyone knows you already, but even more when you're on like TV pretty much all the time, it helps. Yeah. It yeah, for help. sure. No, it was, yeah, it was fun. I mean, uh, like, like I, like I said, you know, it was fun and, and uh, it was cool to connect with, with the fans and, and the players and, um, you know, have, have things be a little bit more lighthearted than, than, uh, I feel like, you know, sometimes tennis is so serious. Uh, well, as from, from my side, anyways, this is especially it is. now with, it you is. know, so, so it's, yeah, but, uh, but it was fun. So I, I think this is going to probably be the last question, Nina, but, um, you know, 2021, obviously there's a lot of things that are up in the air. Um, but if there is some sort of normalcy to what the tour is going to be like next year, what are some goals? What are, what, what's like, what's the future hold like next year for what you'd like to accomplish and what you and your team are, are looking to do next year? Yeah. I mean, if, uh, if we have a somewhat normal year, it'd be, I mean, I, I've, I've been kind of, uh, 
you know, eyeing my top 50 return. I feel like I want, you know, want to get back to top 50. I'm not too far now, you know, 61, which is, which is great. And, and obviously, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I'd love to get back in the top 30, um, and go, go higher, maybe, you know, get, get my first title. It'd be great. Um, I'm, I obviously feel like there's, you know, I'm playing some of the best tennis of my career right now. So, so, you know, who knows, who knows what, what's ahead for me on, on the court. Um, I, th- I feel like I'm improving every week uh, or every month, let's say to put it more realistically, <laughs> like er- every month, I feel like I'm getting a little bit better. Uh, <laughs> so that's good. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, uh, sky's the limit, right? If you, if you believe, if you believe in it and, and um, so even though I'm getting a little bit older, um, I think maybe, you know, 10 years ago, I, I feel be concerned feel like I'm getting too old for, to make any kind of a, a you know, new milestone runs or anything but but now that everyone's in their mid-30s playing the best tennis of their careers then maybe uh maybe I got some something up my sleeve coming soon yes trust me you are not old you are doing just fine (laughs) we look forward to seeing what 2021 has to offer you on court and off court and uh thank you so much for taking the time we appreciate it yeah thanks for having me on the show it was a lot of fun thanks Patrick thanks guys From the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, this has been the Tennis.com Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to stay caught up. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and every major listening app, as well as Tennis.com slash podcasts. You can also see the videos of our episodes on Tennis Channel's YouTube page and Tennis.com's Facebook page. We're your hosts, Nina Pantic and Irina Falcone. We'd like to thank our team editor and audio designer and video editor Christina Koseva, producers Alexa March and Sean O'Malley, and executive producers Shelby Coleman, Kyle Einhorn, and Andy Chu.